0: From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT.
1: Well, hello and welcome to a brand new show here on TNT Radio. The working title, because it is that new, is called The Weekender, with Jason Olborn, and I hope you've been able to tune in during the week and pick up on some of the uh, news that's coming out here on Compass, the show that I do Monday to Friday each day from 1pm Brisbane time, 2pm Sydney time. Now, where I am broadcasting from this afternoon here in New South Wales, it's a scorching 40 degrees at the moment and highs as much as 45 degrees were recorded in parts of the afternoon, people are telling me. So it is stinking hot, and thanks for joining me, and we're all going to cool down in our... uh some aware today and there's a lot in this very first show i'm delighted to have your company and if you get a chance please now you can share the live stream on youtube or rumble or maybe you're watching us on the website and if you haven't downloaded the free app i recommend that you do once you get tnt radio onto your phone and play it through the bluetooth in the car you'll never go back to the dark side and for this inaugural show i uh, was working very hard with my team during the week And we decided we wanted a program that would be able to pick up on some big stories that are coming out. And we can sort of just slow it down a little bit, get into the nuts and bolts of different stories today. And my first guest will be coming up in a moment. He is the screenwriter of a film you may have seen called JFK Revisited. It's one of the documentaries post the great 1991 film, JFK, directed by Oliver Stone. This film was also directed by Oliver Stone, and we'll be speaking in a moment to Jim Di Eugenio, who was, as I said, a screenwriter and also has written many books on the subject. Coming up in the next hour, I've got Matt King from the Democracy New Zealand Party, and Matt has been all over what's going on with the whistleblower story that's possibly the biggest story of the year in relation to COVID and anything about that agenda that's going going on, and Matt is also a former detective, inspector, investigator, so he knows exactly what's going on. Can't wait to speak to Matt. And later on, we're going to speak to Jerry Gray, an expert on China, got a lot of questions for what's going on over there. Jerry has lived in the country for some time, and our own Robert Brennan will be on a little bit later as well to talk about the Australian science and freedom event that was on recently in the paper that he delivered in that massive event that was going on at the university of new south wales and in the last hour uh, an, an old friend of mine and a friend of yours peter richards who used to be a warrant officer in the Australian military. He has toured around the world on numerous occasions, and we're going to talk all things, what's going on in the conflicts around the world. Obviously, Israel, Hamas. We're going to talk about Ukraine and Russia, and also Taiwan and China, and see what his thoughts are, and how he's reading what's going on out there. So, big, big show. Now, I'm going to introduce our first guest in a moment. I'm going to give you a brief intro, and then I'm going to play a trailer from the film. That'll be coming up just shortly, and then we'll get... Um, Jim in shortly. So James or Jim D. Eugenio has been researching the four major assassinations of the 1960s, JFK, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy. He's been doing that for the last three decades with a special focus on the former 35th president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. He's the author of JFK Assassination Chokeholds, The JFK Assassination, and Destiny Betrayed. He's the screenwriter of Oliver Stone's latest film, JFK Revisited, which was released in two versions: a two-hour release subtitled Through the Looking Glass, and a four-hour version subtitled Destiny Betrayed. We're going to play that trailer for the movie now, and then we'll bring in its scriptwriter straight after.
0: What kind of a peace do we seek? Not merely peace for Americans. Peace for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died some 38 minutes ago. Here is a suspect. 24-year-old Lee H. Oswald. I'm just a shot of President. Who actually fired the shots that killed Kennedy? Was there a conspiracy? In the years since the Warren Report, there is now so much more that we know. Conspiracy theories are now conspiracy facts. The Warren Commission successfully deceived the public. Alan Dulles' appointment to the Warren Commission is one of the great frauds of American history. Documents are withheld by the FBI, the CIA. Intelligence agencies did all the wrong things if they were looking for conspiracy. We will go back and piece together new facts and evidence that shed more light on what really happened here that day. Commission believes that the same bullet that hit Kennedy hit Conley. Well, I don't believe it. It is indeed a magic bullet. Oswald was a figure of interest for four years before the assassination. They were reading his mother's mail. His first year in office, Kennedy made many enemies he vows he's going to shatter the cia into a thousand pieces have you ever committed any act of violence he was intimately involved in the cover-up once you kill a president on the streets of american city that sends a signal the rights of every man are diminished when the rights of one man are threatened if america really wants a democratic society and we should get to the bottom of this thematic crime that continues to reverberate throughout American history. This nation will not be fully free until all its citizens are free.
1: It's about time that we bring in the screenwriter of the film that you just saw and the author of Chokeholds. His name is Jim D. Eugenio. Jim, welcome to the Jason Oldborn Show.
2: Thank you, thank you, Jason. Thanks for getting my name right. On Fox, they called me John D'Angelo, okay, I don't know who that guy was. The title of the book, by the way, is The JFK Assassination Chokeholds, and the film that you were just playing, of course, was Oliver Stone's JFK Revisited, which, correctly, you said I wrote the screenplay for that.
1: So we, we were doing quite well, and I will also add to the confusion on surnames my entire life. I've been called Os- Osborne even though it says it there with the L I've got the first ever silent L and uh and introduced S so I'm glad that we're in good company. Uh Jim this is uh, one of the great delights I uh I mentioned in an email I sent to you earlier that I, I watched your uh, interview with Lionel Nation and also with um uh with Danny the other day and they were two very very different interviews but it was wonderful to watch a man like Lionel that was absolutely drooling over every word that you had to say uh like some sort of some sort of fanboy but the reason that, that I say that is that your work is, um, it's not just brilliant work, it's essential work. It is work that uh, for mine as as a young kid growing up, I was 19 when Oliver Stone's movie came out, in 1991 jfk uh, I, I raced to the theaters to watch at the moment it came out we made a 10 p.m session it finished at uh, 1 30 or 2 o'clock in the morning and i was there at 10 o'clock in the morning to watch it again the next day it was it changed my life um it, it showed to me that uh, there were things that that you just knew intuitively that weren't right and even as a young boy asking questions uh, on anniversaries and i used to say to my mother what's the story about this a man a president was shot and lee harvey oswald was supposed to be the man that killed him what happened to him i was very angry that it happened and she explained the story of jack ruby and he was a young boy maybe 10 11 years old just sort of learning what politics was i was just shocked by it all and thinking that this just does not add up so uh, as a 19 year old and and there is oliver stone um uh, making this film and it was a life changer and for mine if it turned out that it wasn't the lone single gun shooter and we know that that's impossible and, and you'll you stake your career on that and so we're well past that now but For mine, if the CIA or someone was involved at a government level, then America was stolen at that point. They were, it was taken away. And we've never had the same country since. And I do wonder that people like George HW Bush, who were seen in Dallas on that day and denied that they were there. uh, And then when asked about where he was the day JFK was shot, he says he doesn't know. And somehow he turns up to be the head of the CIA in 1977. None of this adds up, too many questions. And it makes all of us start asking questions. And of course, now we've all been tarred with the label of conspiracy theorist, heaven forbid. And it's anything but because this is where the term came from, from uh, a rejection of the uh, of the Warren Commission that even Woody Allen, the comedian, used to make fun of. So that's enough for mine. In a moment, I'm going to play a little bit of – I'm going to put your book up on screen, but I've talked too long. It's been too much of a delay. Jim, how did you get started and uh, deciding that you wanted to get into the research of the murder of the former president?
2: Oh, that's an interesting story. Uh, when I got out of film school – which I believe was like in the the mid 1980s or something, a little bit later than that, Uh, my partner at that time, a guy named Rob McCarthy said, why don't you find a subject and write a script about it? And I said, all right, okay. So I rummaged around for a few weeks and I decided to write a script about the JFK assassination. And going through all the literature, I said, you know, the only way you can approach this subject is through this guy, Jim Garrison. Because he lends himself to telling a story. Okay? He he's a protagonist, he's there's antagonist, there's a, a a trial scene, etc. So I started doing all the preliminary research, and I go to the newsstand one Saturday, pick up Variety Magazine, and lo and behold, Oliver Stone has optioned Jim Garrison's (laughs) on the trail of the assassins. Okay. So I go, well, there goes that idea because we're never going to beat him to the cinema. Okay. (laughs) And so I decided to turn my research at that time into my very first book, which was the first edition of Destiny Betrayed. And I don't want anybody to buy that book because it's a very bad book. Okay. The, the second version of Destiny Betrayed. is very much better. And that's, and I, that's a good lead in because Oliver Stone's movie, which you saw more than once, and I'm sure you know, created a firestorm of controversy um, throughout the world, but especially in the United States. It actually caused an act of Congress to be mm. passed. Okay. Which created something called the Assassination Records Review Board. They, Because if you remember, and I'm sure you do, at the end of the film, Oliver put this title on on the screen and it said, the files of the House Select Committee on Assassinations, the last inquiry into Kennedy's death, are classified until the year 2029. And this most people didn't know this. And so this outraged people and they started sending letters and phone calls and faxes, et cetera, you know, to Washington. And it created this new branch of government, which declassified get this two million pages of documents. Yes. And a lot of this stuff, the MSM did not report on. So this is what we put in our film. OK, JFK revisited this stuff that they did not report on. And I think that's why the film is now sold, I think, in 14 countries, 14 foreign countries, which I think has to be a record for a JFK documentary.
1: It's incredible. It's it's just an incredible uh, setup for 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 the most important story. And I don't know what it was. If it was a combination of the timing, because it was what some twenty eight years after the the murder of JFK that the film came out by Oliver Stone. And I was only reflecting on it the other day in the lead up to the sixtieth anniversary, November twenty second of twenty twenty three, uh, which was that case. And and to think that it's been more than thirty years since. Uh, Oliver Stone's film came out and we still haven't got answers. We're still a few uh, thousand files short, my understanding is, of the uh, of the official release of those documents, which tends to make me feel like that we're missing the most important documents. And I'm wondering what what, what comes of that. Uh, Jim, what I want to do now is I'm just going to quickly play um, a, a, the, the cover. I want to put the cover of the screen of the book on screen before we go any further so that people, if they want to get hold of it for Christmas, they might be able to get it on Amazon. Moving on from that, uh, Jim. Anyway, the five thousand odd files that are left. Why do you think they wouldn't release all of the files and hold some of these back?
2: You know, I'm really, I'm really glad you asked that question, because I said they had released two million pages, right? Mm. But when they went out of business, which is in 1998, they didn't finish the job. Okay. So then, as you probably know, everything was supposed to be terminated, let go of in 2017. That Mm -hmm. was the final date that everything was supposed to be let go no matter what. Well, Trump steps in after he had said, I'm looking forward to declassifying the last of the JFK documents. He gets read the riot act by the FBI and the CIA and get this. On the very day that everything was supposed to be let go, they waited to the last 24 hours to give him the warning. OK, if you do this, you're going to let there's going to be a dead agent in Morocco. OK, and we're going to tell the world that it was you who did it, OK, that kind of thing. All right. So he delays it. And then he delayed it a second time. Mm. OK, once for six months, once for three years. So then everybody thought that Biden would go ahead and declassify the last of the documents. But guess what? He didn't do it either. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, I predict that those documents will not be declassified. And I believe that, that they are probably very important dealing with Oswald in Mexico City. And I believe Oswald in New Orleans, because I'm mm. sure you know. When Oswald went to New Orleans in the summer of 1963, he started to engage in some very weird stuff, okay? And the Fair Play for Cuba Committee told him, don't open a chapter in New Orleans. But he did. And he's and he's on these streets handing out leaflets. Unfortunately for him, one of them said 544 Camp Street, which was the offices of Guy Bannister. So the question then became, what is a pseudo-communist doing associating with a right-wing nut like Guy Bannister? And though, if you can believe it, the Warren Commission made almost nothing out of this. Then he's supposed to go to Mexico City in late September, early October. But I'm sure you know what the problem with that is. He was supposed to have entered and exited the Russian and Cuban embassies a total of 10 times. The CIA had three cameras in front of the Cuban embassy, two of them in front of the Russian embassy. Guess what? No picture. There Mm -hmm. was no picture of Oswald either going in or coming out. Then the CIA sends a tape recording because they had these places bugged, okay, And they send it up to Texas, Dallas, Texas, Mm. on the night of the assassination. The agents li- talking to Oswald, listen to the tape. They tell Jagger Hoover, the chief of the FBI, the guy on this tape is not the guy we're talking to. Okay. So the CIA cannot produce a tape. They cannot produce a picture of Oswald down in Mexico city, which leads to the question, did Oswald really go to Mexico city? And if he did, why, why can they produce no evidence that he was there? I believe, That's what's left in those files pertains to either New Orleans or Mexico City or both.
1: It's, uh, well, it, it's a starting point for where we need to go in this uh, conversation. Now, Jim, what we're going to do is take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to move forward into this scenario to work out exactly what the plot is and the unravelling, because your work has been concerned on the, on the, on the notion that Oswald could not have pulled this off by himself. And therefore, there is a conspiracy, which is what the Warren Reporters try to convince us all along, that Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone nut who wasn't a very good shot. But on that day, he was a perfect shot. Let's take that break now and we'll be back. This is the Jason Olborn show on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen.
0: There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all time low. Uh, We've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on
2: today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
0: When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually 9 out of 10 Americans, that's real. That's substantive. That's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's
2: massive. To find out more, go to
0: tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT.
1: Welcome back to the Jason Olborn Show. And if you're listening in from the east coast of Australia, I feel the heat. It's around 40 degrees centigrade where I'm uh, broadcasting from today. And I'm with the one and only Jim D. Eugenio, who is the author of a new book, and we're going to put that up on the screen for you now. It's called In JFK. It's the JFK assassination chokeholds. Let's put that up on the screen for you now, because this is a book that any JFK fan would like to be able to get hold of for Christmas. You can pick it up on uh, on Amazon or other places. Readers will find up-to-date evidence that would have compelled any jury to conclude that Oswald was not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and that there is clear and convincing evidence of both a conspiracy and obstruction of justice. To cover it up. The approach taken by the contributors in this anthology, three of whom are attorneys, complemented by two of the leading authorities in the field, focuses on 60 years of revelations that have been inescapably proven. There is no way around these matters, making them argumentative chokeholds and as i said you can pick it up today on amazon jim what a book what a career and we move on here do you think that the idea of covering up mexico city uh and, and new orleans is a way to to show that oswald was not acting alone is that the point of that
2: well i i believe that what they were doing was setting up oswald in advance in order to blame the assassination on either the russians or the cubans okay because oswald fit into that profile because he was supposed to be a communist all right and he had defected the soviet union and come back okay so that's what i believe that they were the people who were responsible the assassination that's what they were doing to him unbeknownst to him in advance of the assassination and of course i don't have to tell you but on the day of the assassination All this stuff gets blasted into the news cycle. The stuff about Oswald in New Orleans, there's pictures of him, there's films of him, there's this trip to Mexico City that he allegedly took, okay? And this incriminates the public, excuse me, incriminates Oswald in the the minds of the public as having a motive to kill Kennedy because he was supposedly an alleged communist, all right? That's what I believe that this stuff about Mexico City and New Orleans was was about in the last few months of, and remember, Mexico City is seven weeks before the assassinations, mm. seven full weeks before. Okay, so in other words, I believe that they were planning this whole thing in advance.
1: It's just shocking to think, even today, sixty years on, that in the '60s this is how people behaved, and we still haven't caught on. Uh, two, three generations later, that this is how government behaves in the midst of what's going on today. One of the questions I, I wanted to ask you, and this is this is what I I call my um political radar working in on overtime. I've been following politics since I was eleven or twelve years old, starting in Australia and of course moving to the U.S. and and watched very closely. Uh, and for mine, I think I think I was really into politics when Bill Clinton, of all people, appeared on the scene. He looked like the next young, good-looking Democrat effectively the next jfk in many ways and i kind of was hoping that he would have played it differently he might have wanted to ask for the truth anything but of course and if it looks like today that bill clinton is uh is a cia asset one way or another and certainly his wife must be the way that they seem to get away with different things his relationship with george hw bush uh in in the period before he was president it is also odd that they all sort of it's all very much a club but um looking towards it, and and then Robert F. Kennedy emerging as a political candidate. And my point is this, that the way I'm seeing things going at the moment, that for whatever reason, Trump was snookered in his first term to bring out this information. Uh, he's come out firing. He's, the, the establishment is very scared of him. He is obviously the anti establishment candidate. Kennedy considered his family the ultimate of Democrats, but that Democrat party was never the same after they took out his uncle and then he, his father uh, five years later. I'm wondering, this is my long shot prediction, because there's no relationship publicly between Trump and Kennedy, for Trump to come out and say, look, we need to drain this swamp. I tried to use Bill Barr, and as many people know, Bill Barr's own father employed Jeffrey Epstein unqualified in a university. Uh, No wonder uh, Bill Barr found no uh, reason to look into the Epstein so-called hanging. But um, I'm wondering if Trump is going to bring someone like RFK Jr in as his independent attorney general, which will blow the lid off the whole thing, and should he do that? that the first order of business would have to be, let's get the rest of these JFK files out there and we'll start from that. Thanks very much. Which I would assume would expose uh, some in the uh, intelligence communities. And then, of course, the CIA and the FBI are on notice at that point. Does that any of that ring true or is that just me just being a, a fantasy politician um person watching and, and hoping?
2: Well, well, RFK Jr., who I know, okay, has said, that there was never any kind of deal or anything between him and Donald Trump, Mm. you know, and, and, and for the most part, he doesn't, he doesn't really like, uh, you know, Trump very much. Okay. Uh, so although that I I would love for something like that to happen, Mm. Trump appoints RFK attorney general. And the first thing the RFK does is declassify the files. The second thing he does is appoints a special prosecutor, Okay, to go ahead and finally solve the DUJ. That would be terrific. Okay, but, you know, something you said earlier, and I think is registered to me as being very acute, that once both the Kennedys were shot, that was it for the Democratic Party that I knew. Okay, it really hasn't been the same since. And I'm glad you brought up Hillary Clinton, because... Can you imagine what JFK would say about using NATO to bomb Africa? Mm. I mean, that to me, that, that is so crazy. You know, what kind of a world are we living in? We're using NATO bombers to bomb a third world Africa country. Yeah. You know, whereas Kennedy, if if you don't know this, maybe this is new, but in 1957, Kennedy made what I believe was his greatest speech, even better than the famous peace speech in 1963, even better than his civil rights speech, I believe. Mm. It was about Algeria, another northern African country, which France was trying to hold back in a, in a colonial war. And it, it was a horrible, if, if, if anybody's ever seen that classic film, The Battle of Algiers, you'll know what a dirty, ugly war that that was. It devolved into terrorism and torture and murder, etc. And Kennedy took the floor of the Senate in the summer of 1957 and said, we should not be backing France in this war to take back Algeria. How could we possibly forget what happened three years ago at Dien Ben Phu when we backed the French And they ended up losing the war, a war they were destined to lose. The same thing is going to happen here. And we're going to be on the wrong side of history again. All right. He said, what we should be doing is escorting France to the negotiating table. And then the next thing we should be doing is freeing the rest of Africa. That's what we should be doing, OK, getting Europe out of Africa. All right. So when Hillary Clinton then sends bombers over Libya, I'm wondering, my God, whatever happened in the days of John F. Kennedy, they're not here anymore. They're gone. <laughs> they died at the Ambassador Hotel.
1: It's 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 so unbelievable that no one picks up on this to think that you can out with the old and in with the new, and it's all the same thing. We haven't even gone down a pathway of, of, of Lyndon Johnson. We haven't gone down a pathway of uh, of, of any of that process. And, and that's all sort of made clear in it. It was even even the swearing in of LBJ that was so instant and just watching Jackie Kennedy uh, at, at that age and just being completely overrun by it all, I mean, what do you do when you're uh, you're very young? I mean, he was only, what, 46 years of age when he was taken out, and she was a, a young mother of, of two children thinking, my God, what's going on here? And having to put on a brave face and just accept what's going on and you wonder with the uh with the Kennedy family and of course uh, Robert Kennedy uh senior the father of RFK Jr um being pushed ahead therefore to uh perhaps become the president in 68 and it's when he was taken out and even RFK Jr explains the assassination of his father in a very different way and he's got a whole lot of evidence that he puts forward you've researched that as well um do you concur with what RFK Jr was saying
2: Oh, he's exactly right on that. He's exactly right on that. There, see, the problem with uh, the RFK case is well, there's actually two of them. Number one, the directionality, and number two, the number of bullets. Okay. Mm. See, Sirhan is always in front of Bobby Kennedy, and Sirhan's a short guy, like he's five, four and a half. OK, whereas Bobby Kennedy's about five, ten and a half. And so you would think if he had his arm extended parallel to the floor, you know, all the bullets would entered Bobby in the chest and shoulder area. Right. That's what most people would think. Well, none of them, none of the bullets that hit Bobby Kennedy came from that area. They all were behind him, mm. you know, in his back, the back of the head and the fatal shot, which is behind the ear on the right side, is at what they call point-blank range, which means the barrel of the gun had to be almost right at his hairline. No one, no one saw that that night at the, and there were literally scores of people there, but nobody ever saw his arm extended behind Bobby Kennedy, okay, behind his head like that. And all the bullets were at an extreme upward angle, which would indicate to most people that whoever shot Bobby Kennedy was behind him, had a gun in his hand that was pointing upward. Yeah. Well, no one, that's, that's not him. Secondly, there's too many bullets that are fired. Okay. There's, I think, uh, Sir Han's, uh, pistol had like eight bullets in it at the most, that's at the most, but he only got off a couple of clean shots before the Mater D Carl Eucher jumped on him. There's, a, there's 13 bullets. Mm. that are accounted for yes. in the, the in the pantry all right so it could so some there had to be a second assassin okay and operating that night so yes i agree with bobby kennedy that uh, that there that there was a second assassin the second gun as they say in the pantry that night which really makes you wonder doesn't it i mean what was so important to assassinate Both of these guys in the space of five years, you know?
1: This this is of course the uh, the well it's the trillion dollar question now because uh, the United States has been uh, has been forever changed as, as we mentioned and for those that uh, maybe just tuning in I'm with Jim De Eugenio who uh, is the author of multiple books including the JFK Chokeholds, his latest and we'll put that up uh, on the screen a little bit later uh, if you want to get in touch but uh, Jim was also the screenwriter of the film JFK Revisited that came out in both a two hour version and a four hour version uh, with slightly different names. Jim, can you just tell the difference between the two titles there of the, of the JFK Revisited?
2: The two-hour version is called JFK Revisited Through the Looking Glass. The four-hour version is called JFK Destiny Betrayed. And like I said, it just sold in Japan, Macau, and Hong Kong. So, I, like I said, it's about 14 countries now mm. that it's that it's sold in. So you know, it's it's gotten uh, and by, and remember. It opened at the Confin Festival 2021. It's still selling in 2023. We're number eight on the Amazon documentary list. Okay. Mm, so that's- that's, I think that's quite an achievement that I'm, I'm quite proud of.
1: Well, you need to be proud of, of such brilliant work and the fact that it's still top of mind so long down the track. But it just seems like that we can't get past this particular story. So we've talked about both JFK and RFK being taken out. And and, and obviously, the your life's work is based on the fact that Oswald did not act alone. I want to circle back, and I'm just keeping a, a mindful eye on the clock here. I'll just ask this one question, then we'll go to the break. Uh, and, and it's this. How many bullets were shot at JFK and therefore from that, can you um, therefore come up with an idea of how many possible shooters there may have been on the day?
2: Yeah, I I believe that there were at the very least five, most likely six shots uh, in Dealey Plaza that day. Now, that automatically destroys the Warren Commission because they said only three shots were fired, Mm -hmm. okay? you know and then and then oswald got off three shots in six seconds with a a manual bolt action rifle okay which is really very very hard to believe but if i I believe that there was an assassin behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll Mm. i believe that there was one in the texas school book depository but on the other side not the so-called Oswald window. And I believe that there was one in the Dell Tex building, which is across the street from the Texas School Book Depository. And the whole idea of that is what they call in the military an L-shaped ambush, okay? Where you have three points of fire, one in front, one behind, one to the side. And in that kind of an ambush, there's no escape. And they, they actually practice that in the military. That's what I think happened in Dealey Plaza.
1: Which makes sense. And therefore, it also brings in the idea of professional assassins as well, and possibly even from overseas. I remember reading about a so-called French assassin that may have been behind the grassy knoll. Now, what we'll do is we'll we'll take a uh, a quick break and we'll come back with more here on the Jason Olborn Show. You're watching and listening to TNT Radio
0: with his expert analysis and opinion.
1: This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea.
0: It's a truism that bears repeating that everything the left says is either a lie or is based on a lie. Take for example the whopper that we need to eliminate beef cattle in order to save the planet from global warming. Even the University of California Davis knows how ridiculous this is. A report they recently issued says that laboratory-grown beef poses a 25 times greater threat to the environment than traditionally raised cattle. How can it be that we need to replace the pasture with the petri dish in light of this? Because facts don't matter to the left. They never let facts get in the way of pushing their agenda. And what is that agenda? It's control. As the godfather of globalism Henry Kissinger said, Who controls the food controls the people. That's what getting people to eat bugs is all about. That's what getting people to eat Frankenmeat's all about. Control, not the environment. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio.
1: Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped, or cooked incorrectly, and that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au
0: of the hour we'll keep on top of the news it's the most important thing we can do on today's news talk tnt
1: radio Welcome back to the Jason Olborn Show, a brand new show on weekends. And if the JFK assassination is your thing, you've come to the exact right place. Who would have thought you'd tune in to TNT Radio on a Saturday afternoon? And you will meet the screenwriter of JFK Revisited, a film, a documentary directed by the one and only Oliver Stone. And I'm with Jim Eugenio, Jim, quite an incredible uh, opportunity to be able to speak to you today and i wanted to continue this is, there's a slogan that people say called disinformation is necessary and they use that in a so-called information war now during the period that we've gone past the oswald uh, warren report Uh, idea that a single gunman was the murderer. And we move into what is, uh, as you've said, uh, is a conspiracy. It's easily now provable. Now, some of the um, the theories that come up in all of this, and I wonder if it is part of this disinformation to keep us confused. Some people say that the driver of the car turned around or the the person in the passenger seat turned around and fired a shot. Others say Jackie Kennedy, a cell fired a shot. How do you rule out these types of stories and just get back to the evidence and the facts of the case, you know, in a, in a, in a war, war such as this.
2: Look, those two stories you brought up are are absolutely classics of disinformation. Mm. All right. And the only way that the first one ever got out there is because a very, very, very bad copy of this Bruder film. I mean, really bad. And this guy showed it at Hollywood high school one night. Okay. And it was a packed house, like 300 people saw it. All right. And that's how it got out there. Now, on a very good copy of the Zapruder film, that doesn't show at all. And it also eliminates the second thing, which is one of the most outlandish nutty stories I've ever heard in my life. Okay, Jackie Kennedy, if you watch a good copy of the Zapruder film, is utterly horrified at what happened in the car. And she has a panic attack And she jumps out the back of the car to retrieve her husband's skull, which had been blown out. And she actually got it, by the way. We know how we know that because one of the doctors at Parkland hospital said she had given him part of Kennedy's skull when she got to the hospital. All right. So if you ask me, I believe Jackie Kennedy was suffering from what they call PTSD. Okay, as from that moment for a long, to give you an example what I'm talking about. In 1991, when Oliver Stone's movie, his feature film JFK, came out, she was living at the Dakotas, a very high-class apartment building in New York, with Carly Simon, all right, and they were friends. And Carly Simon said, hey, do you want to go see this movie JFK? And she wouldn't go. She was Carly Summers and she tried to talk her into it, but she just refused to go. I mean, look, would you want to relive the most horrible moment of your life <laughs> you know, five times back into the left, back into the left, back, you know, who would want to do that? All right
1: no no absolutely just just so so sad now the other part of the story that i'd like to touch on that's not really uh, mentioned as such but it's the uh it's the son of the former president john f kennedy john f kennedy jr uh a man that was touted as a future president uh, certainly a u.s senator uh much loved he was he was almost too cool for school the, the handsome man, he marries the beautiful blonde lady and uh, and then he gets on a plane and disappears uh, along with his sister-in-law and that's it. And it's very strange occurrences uh, that we watch on. Many people uh, are hoping that uh, maybe he's just in witness protection and he's going to appear and save the day, et cetera, et cetera. But the strange thing about that story was that his body wasn't found for a couple of days. Um, uh it, the, the, the memorial for his um uh for the the three of the the families on the on the boat and you saw a small group of, of family members there on the boat and all seemed to be smiling it just didn't seem to add up. Are we missing anything in the j f k jr story as part of this evil plot to just go after the kennedys the um the antithesis of the modern democratic party
2: you know i uh, i limit myself to the four major assassinations of the sixties. And because if I took on anything else, okay, I would dilute the work Mm. that I do on those. So I haven't really explored uh, the JFK, but I will say this, what I find so interesting about JFK Jr. He was intensely interested in the Rabin assassination. Mm. He supervised that story himself for George, you know, that magazine that yes. that he published. It was one of the longest stories that they ever produced. Okay. And he actually got in contact with the assassin's mother and let her tell all the editors saying, we can't do this. He said, yes, we can. And we're going to do it. So I believe that he looked at that as something like a parallel to what had happened to his father. Okay. Now, That links into what I want to say next is that Robert Kennedy Jr., so far, is the only one who's come out and said, yes, my father was killed as a result of the assassination, and my uncle was killed as a result of a conspiratorial plot. You know, that's a very courageous act on his part. I have information, though, which... He's not the only one. It's just he's the only one who will do it in public,
0: mm.
2: okay, because the rest of them are afraid to come out because what happened to him will happen to them, you know. And that, that see, thats not that a horrible, you know, you can't stand up for the truth because you'll get vilified in public. Yes. You know, but that's what's happened to this country, you know.
1: <laughs> uh, Jim, I find it absolutely extraordinary that the land of the free, the home of the brave has become anything, but we're certainly not seeing a free United States anymore under this uh, totalitarian uh, Biden regime. That is a third term of the Obama administration, certainly not what uh, the Kennedys thought that the Democrats would become and home of the brave. I've never known a country to be so timid um, these days. I mean, I remember traveling to the US uh, some 10 years ago, it was uh, for a family wedding and um, We were lining up to we were going to go and see a film at the cinema and it was down the bottom of some stairs we had to walk up 30 or 40 stairs and there was no one in the queue (coughs) pardon me but (laughs) excuse me (coughs) that rarely happens but anyway people were lined up downstairs at the ropes where there was no one to walk up and i just walked upstairs what's wrong with my throat anyway um i I asked my brother i said why are we waiting down here and he says oh you have to and i said what happened to the united states that we didn't just walk in and we're free we walk up to the ticket box and that's where we go and he said no that's not how things work and so it's something that's been coming for a long time now i'm truly shocked at how little we see the true uh, culture and i wonder if that's the reason why when we fast forward to the trump era make america great again is a lot more than just finance and economics but it's also about culture in the once great united states
2: it, you know, the, the msm you know it, thank god for shows you know thank god for shows like yours or none of this stuff would ever get out
1: um i I totally agree and that's the beautiful thing about tnt radio that's emerged in the last couple of years uh, to take on the tyranny of the time. But the beautiful part is that we get to investigate and go back in time to these uh, huge issues. And this one is one that would result in a true reset of the United States if it was to emerge that the government uh, and the intelligence agencies were involved officially uh, in in the takedown of its own president. I mean, that's the ultimate case of treason. Now, what I'll do now is I'll just get um, this book cover back up on screen. For those that are watching, that would like to get hold of Jim's new book. Uh, we'll put that up on screen in a moment there it is it's called the jfk assassination chokeholds and you can pick that up on amazon and in the book readers will find up-to-date evidence that would have compelled any jury to conclude that Lee Harvey Oswald was not guilty beyond reasonable doubt, and that there is clear and convincing evidence of both a conspiracy and obstruction of justice to cover it up. The approach taken by the contributors in this anthology, I believe it's over a thousand pages, three of whom are attorneys, complemented by two of the leading authorities in the field, one of whom we're talking to today, focuses on 60 years of revelations that have been inescapably proven. There is no way around these matters, making them argumentative chokeholds. Jim, it is a great, great, career that you've created for yourself out of a necessity simply by doing what no one else would do. If someone wanted to scratch their head today and go, you know what, I think it's time that I started investigating, what would be one or two of the first facts that people could really sink their teeth into and go, you know what, it was impossible so that they can rule out the idea of Oswald? Where would you point them to?
2: Well, one would be one of the uh, essays I wrote for this book is about the mystery of Kennedy's brain. That mm-hmm. would be one thing that I, I I believe any objective person would see that there was high level subterfuge because the pictures we have of his brain today and the illustrations cannot be of President Kennedy's brain, okay? Uh, we don't have enough time to go into all the reasons, but the other thing is probably the old standby, CE 399, sometimes called the magic bullet. Okay, that anybody could believe that that bullet could do the damage uh, that it did, you know, and emerge in the condition it's in, is I believe science fiction. Okay, it it just it just couldn't happen. All right, do I have enough time for one more? Yes, please. Carlos Hathcock was the greatest sniper of the Vietnam era. Ninety-five confirmed kills. A friend of him asked him, "What do you think of this Oswald guy? Three shots in six seconds." The greatest sniper of the Vietnam era said, I can't tell you, Craig, how many times we tried it. He ran a SWAT team obstacle course. We couldn't do it. (laughs) We couldn't do the greatest sniper of the Vietnam couldn't do what Oswald was supposed to do. So those would be three very good reasons.
1: No, indeed, and that's an interesting point there you make about the, uh, the, the the snipers being able to go through this place. We've asked similar questions here in Australia of Martin Bryant, who was uh, legally the person responsible for Port Arthur, who was never tried, is in prison for life, um, and, and of course, he had a very low IQ, and people talk about snipers having to have a high IQ just to qualify in the military to be even given the task of learning how to become that, so it was kind of one of these knockout situations. So it's interesting, isn't it, that, um, that these random people can come in, get hold of a weapon and instantly shoot it perfectly like no one an expert can even do it's 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 a a crazy crazy situation now unfortunately we've reached the end of our uh, allotted time and it's been a a delight an honour and a privilege Jim to have you on the show the very first of these shows even though we've been uh, attacked by uh, uh, internet bugs some electricity problems and a coughing fit but we got there in the end and I'm thank very thankful that you're here to tell us the story and I think uh, to be perfectly honest from my perspective your best days are ahead of you Jim because there is some big big stuff coming and uh, and one day we'll see you up in lights and we'll go we knew you then Jim e- <laughs> Eugenio a superstar in the making we're going to take a break uh, in the process and uh, we'll be back with more after this after the news break and we'll be back as I said with more with a brand new guest Matt King from the Democracy New Zealand Party he's the leader with a big story about the uh, about the um, uh, whistleblower from last week we're watching and listening to TNT Radio.